If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! People aren't going to feel great right now. That's the reality of the situation. The goal is that at the end of this, in a year or two years, that most of us are well and okay and here and still committed to our organization. Welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children COVID-19 update for January 14th, 2021. I'm Carol Vassar, and that was the voice of Dr. Mo Leffler, Nemours Chief Wellness Officer, a.k.a. unofficially, as the Chief Worry Officer, who really does worry about the well-being of each and every Nemours associate. Today, you'll hear the conversation between Dr. Leffler and host Dr. Jay Greenspan concerning well-being and self-care for anyone working in health care, especially during the pandemic. Right now, though, let's get a situational update on the pandemic from Randy Hartley, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando and the Nemours Florida Division COVID-19 Incident Commander. Thanks, Carol. So as I speak to you uh, today, January 13th in a a cloudy uh, Orlando, Florida, we're approaching a sad milestone in the history of the pandemic across the United States. This morning, according to the Johns Hopkins uh, website, the U.S. confirmed cases are 22,850,786, just shy of 23 million. And sadly, that has generated over 300 and almost 381,000 of our fellow citizens have passed due to this. Globally, 91.75 million have been confirmed with this virus, and almost 2 million people across the planet have died. Yesterday, we had our highest death toll ever. 4,387 people died in a single day, and uh, it is uh, it is approaching a very, very challenging period. The prevalence of the, of the disease across the moors is down just a little bit from yesterday. We're halfway through the week. Last week, enterprise-wide, we had 51 positive Cases total, 24 of those were in Florida and 27 in the Delaware Valley for a pretty much 50-50 split. This week, um, as of uh, today, we're only at 16, 14 in Florida, two in Delaware. So it looks like it's slowing down just a little bit. The uh, Delaware Valley has seen a marked decrease in their positive screens that trended up for three weeks from the 20th of uh, December They've recently trended down very nicely from 27 last week to two so far this week. And Florida has also trended down, even with those seven, it's trended down from 24 total last week to 14 so far this week. Now, we're not through the week yet, but it remains a significant threat for all of us, to be sure. That's why it's important that we do what we can to protect ourselves in every way we can. The vaccine rollout across the Nemours Foundation, I believe, is going very well in both the North and the South. We have over uh, 4,500 associates vaccinated uh, as of last Friday. Both North and South are engaging in their second vaccinations of both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine. 
Those sessions have been set up for people to get that second immunization of both of those, of that two-shot series. And we have also recently gone out with communication across the enterprise, asking people who have had a chance to reflect, perhaps change their mind. We sent out a, uh, a call for them to let us know, and we'll do what we can to make sure they get access to the vaccine also. Uh, the good news is that the vaccines are rolling out. There are a quarter of a million, over a quarter of a million additional vaccines being shipped to Florida next week. We heard from the governor uh, yesterday, similar efforts are involved up to, up in the Delaware Valley. The governor, of course, the Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children has a tremendous presence and posture in the state of Delaware. You're seen as a huge beacon of light to uh, help the citizens of Delaware in tough times. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Nemours folks up there will be working with the Delaware leadership to make sure that we do everything we can to address the problems with the state. So that's the situational update as of today, January 13th. Now let's listen in on a conversation between my good colleagues, Dr. Jay Greenspan and Dr. Mo Leffler, which centers on your well-being as an Amores associate. Mo is an Amores chief wellness officer, a position she took six months ago in the midst of this pandemic. And if ever anybody had to hit the ground running in the midst of an emergency, it's Mo. It's been a great pleasure to work with her, and I am happy to let her and Jay talk to you about the, the value of keeping yourself focused and well during this pandemic. Jay and Mo? All right. Thanks, Randy, uh, for that update. Dr. Mo Leffler, I've known for way too long, Mo. <laughs> can, can you describe just for all of us what well-being is? So well-being is not just eradicating burnout. It's not just saying, let's get rid of the stuff that's hard. It's saying, let's figure out how we build a system that lets our individuals thrive and find meaning and joy and deliver the very best care that they can to our patients and families. So well-being is a little different than individual wellness, because when we're talking about well-being, we're talking about the interaction of individual people who show up with their own training, personality stressors, coping skills. We're talking about the interaction of that person in an environment and what, what's in that environment that helps them thrive, succeed, grow, care, that brings out their empathy and compassion. What's going on in the environment that works against them, that, that makes those things harder. Um, so we talk about that um, as the work system. And sometimes you can boil that down and think about just the things we are expected to do, our work our roles, jobs, expectations, and then the resources available to do them. So what's the burden and what are the resources? Burnout is one of the things that happens when there's a chronic imbalance between our resources and the expectations on us. And it can be conceived of as a barrier to well-being. It's not the only barrier to well-being. And so and well-being is really looking at the system, not yeah. just the individual. And that's really important because healthcare workers are super resilient people. We actually know that clinicians are probably more resilient than the average population. We're a re really resilient group by nature. And so promoting well-being or getting rid of burnout is not like your job as an individual. It doesn't just boil down to you becoming more resilient or you learning mindfulness. Although those things are really important, it's also about you being the best version of yourself you can be in a system that really supports letting you shine. So look, you took over in July, there's nothing going on. 
No, yeah. well-being's at its best. No stressors. <laughs> Nobody's fatigued or burnt out. We're good. So right away, you jump into an incident command for COVID, and we're talking about COVID and burnout, and you've just jumped both feet in, in all these things that are concerning all of us, because that's really what our chief warrior does. And so what are the, some of the concerns you know about with our healthcare workers with COVID and otherwise? Yeah. So before the pandemic, there were a lot of stressors. There were a lot of challenges to well-being systematically. And, and burnout was an epidemic. You know, 50% or more of healthcare providers were experiencing burnout. The problem is the downstream impact on patient safety, quality of care, and also the impact on individuals. Burnt out clinicians are more likely to suffer from PTSD, anxiety, depression, leaving medicine, substance abuse, and suicide. So that was pre-pandemic. COVID has just created so many more challenges to well-being. COVID has sort of brought us back to the basics. We are struggling to meet the most fundamental well-being needs of our people because people don't feel safe to really aspire to, you know, the highest order of well-being, which is finding meaning and joy in the work that we do, that we do out of love. You have to have a fundamental feeling of safety. Our basic needs must be met. So we need to have time to sleep, eat, rest, and feel safe. Feeling safe means having access to PPE. So it's physically present, but also understanding how to use it, trusting that the organization is going to continue to make it available, trusting that it is the safest PPE. So that's, you know, one example of the many stressors. What we know is as a country, COVID has increased rates of depression or symptoms of depression, anxiety, and it's really interfered with sleep. So just feeling a little bit more stressed, scared, sad, and having disturbed sleep erodes, you know, our most fundamental well-being needs. So that's real. (laughs) And then we can just kind of keep layering on that. You know, there's external stressors for anybody who has a small child or an old child, you know, old kids and just watching the impact of this on teenagers is it's sad transitions. They're in school, they're out of school. You're working at home. You're not working at home. There's dog barking in the background. Every time you try to meet with somebody, Wi-Fi goes, I mean, there's just tons of external stressors. And then working in healthcare presents unique stressors. We have to fear getting sick, bringing sickness home, bringing sickness to work, the fear of infecting a patient or their family is it's, it's terrifying and traumatizing and it's been chronic. So now we're dealing with chronic stress um, and trauma. And really what we've learned in past epidemics um, like SARS, for example, is that we do okay through the trauma. It's after the dust settles that we really see the fallout. So although we know we're struggling right now and people are tired and disillusioned and maybe resentful, um, I really worry about how we look as a profession in a year and two years and three years from now. It's a really good point, Mo, because we're sort of still on adrenaline with COVID and we're thinking once this goes away, we'll we'll be back to beauty. We still were back at 50% burnout in beauty. And now we might look back and say, wow, <laughs> didn't get so much better. Um, what are your plans? What, what can you share with us in terms of moving forward? And I know that's putting a big burden on you because you're really just helping us with COVID right now and vaccinations and keep people safe. 
but are there some major hitters that you would like to get to once the dusk settles? Yeah, so I think of well-being as really being a part of every single thing we do. So if we have a meeting around PPE, I think showing up and saying to people, how are you feeling? Is really like actually a well-being intervention because it gives kind of a little space to acknowledge that people might not be feeling that great or that we're tired or that we're frustrated or whatever it is and normalizing some of those reactions. Saying, yep, that would be a normal way to feel. (laughs) We've been stressed about PPE for a year. I'm sure you are tired. And so you asked me like, what what should we be doing? Yes, I'm doing a lot of sort of hands-on practical work about some basic needs. But the other, I think, really important thing that we can do and continue to do right now is educate our associates about what would be really very normal, anticipated stress reactions, feeling sad, irritable, moody, not sleeping, just not quite like yourself, maybe panicky, sometimes guilty. I've heard a lot of guilt in pediatric providers. Normalize those emotions, ask people how they're feeling, get people to talk about them, that it also encourages some self-assessment, which is really important. And then just pointing people in the direction of resources, which we have a lot of. And, and I actually think we are great resources for one another when we kind of create that culture of psychological safety where, you know, it's okay to tell me how you're doing for real. I'm going to listen. We don't have to have the solutions. We all know, I think, that we can't make everything better right now. Sometimes just having somebody listen to you in a non-judgmental way without telling you what you should do or shouldn't do can help. And I think that's where we are, is let's let's normalize reactions. Let's really get people to do some self-assessment, figure out what, what support and or help they need and what works for them, create time to do that. Those things can actually mitigate some of the long-term impacts that this stress has. People aren't going to feel great right now. That's the reality of the situation. The goal is that at the end of this, in a year or two years, that most of us are well and okay and here and still committed to our organization. You know, I hope everybody listens to this podcast because it's something you've done for me uh, and I need everybody to do it for everybody else. And that is, you know, you'll just shoot me a a text because we're we're friends. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about you. How are you doing? Right. You'll do it on a Saturday or an evening. And it's a beautiful text. You know, I, I never I never mind getting texts like that. Believe me. And you you check in. Did you get the exercise today? Because you know what, <laughs> what, what where my buttons are. And I have a few of you uh, Mo's. I have a few Mo's in my life at work that are just care that care. And, and I care back. And we all need that. You're spot on that. It just makes you feel cared about. And that, yes, people recognize that we're all going through this crap together and, you know, just checking in. So uh, could you just give us like some, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, could you send out five texts that Mo's going to describe what to say right now? (laughs) Oh, that's so great. If you are listening to this podcast, do send out five texts to the people that you work with and say whatever is true to you. I think that that's one of, you know, I think two things. One is that's one of the things about No More is that I have always loved. I think we work with great people. And and that actually rings true even in like our engagement survey it comes out um, when people talk about what some of the special characteristics of No More's are. We often hear we love the people we work with. 
So nobody needs me to tell them what to ask their people. They know because we have relationships with one another. So lean on them. I I wrote a little happy new year letter to people thinking about this through a perspective that really resonates for me, which is running a marathon. I've run some marathons and I've thought about how miserable most of that experience usually is. And I usually finish them and say, I'm never doing that again, but there's things that get me through it. You know, (laughs) one of them is kind of the people around um, and often they're strangers, but like, I will look up and see a sign that's hysterical, you know, and it makes me chuckle a little bit and kind of gets me through to the next one. Or one time I randomly saw somebody holding a sign that said, go mow. It wasn't for me, (laughs) but it worked. (laughs) It's like, great. I feel better. So like do that for one another, you know, just a little pat on the back or just a little something. Yeah. Um, There was one other thing that you mentioned, Jay, that I wanted to say, oh, you know, we have peer support and that's a formal process of really, talking to somebody um, who's going to listen and be non-judgmental and is trained to do that in a specific way. We, I think, also often turn to and offer one another informal peer support, which I think we should just kind of keep on doing as much as we can. How are you feeling? How can I be helpful to you? What do you need in this moment? What are your coping skills? What are you going to do to get by? I I can't double down on that enough, Mo. I mean, I have a bunch of people that check in on me and I check in on them. I have to say, you know, uh, 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 you shared your experience. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel I'm resilient. I feel I'm generally happy. Things roll off my shoulders. I've loved being in very challenging roles in critical situations in the NICU. This year has challenged me. People have gotten that and understand my people that care about me have understood that and have doubled down on their checking in on me. And it makes me feel really good. And it brings me back, you know, so I I can't tell people enough. Just be there for people because I have that for me. And I hope you have that for you, Mo. Jay, I just want to acknowledge that you just even saying that as a leader sets an example and creates a tone that is a well-being intervention. For leaders to stand up and say, this has been really hard. I have felt really sad or worried or um, I'm not sleeping that well. And just put it out there. You know, it's the normalization of that that really, really helps. And then it opens up exactly what you're saying. Then I'm going to be like, yeah, Jay, did you get on the treadmill? (laughs) Or sorry, sorry, the elliptical. (laughs) Did you get your time? (laughs) These Um, little things, it, it does make a difference. You know, There are the little things. We're also building, I think, a pretty good infrastructure to um, support mental health, um, which we really need to do now. But we also need to make sure we have it established to to be sustainable. And And I think that one of the silver linings of this pandemic is it can change how we talk about things like depression, anxiety, sleep disturbance, needs for social support, peer support, and mental health services. And hopefully we can destigmatize. We know that healthcare providers are reluctant to reach out for support and help. Hopefully we can start changing that and then maintain that change and really shift um, how we do this. Thank you, JMO. As usual, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we like to turn our attention to questions which you, which you come in. And we have a question from an associate that talked about as we approach the one year anniversary of, of our pandemic, and the new normal, which that combines, how would you encourage associates to not let their guard down, but instead continue to be vigilant 
and all of the countermeasures which have kept us safe over the past year, which namely are masking, social distancing, practicing hand hygiene, and more importantly, how, we, how can we continue to be resilient and support each other through this journey? The truth of the matter is we're going to get through these this next year or however long this thing goes, months, year, whatever, the same way we got through the first year. And that is by depending on each other, reaching out to each other for, for support as we and our families cope with the quite understandable and ordinary stresses of what this cumulative reaction to survive has generated for us. I, I wish I had a magic word that could say I could take this and, and everything would, would become easier. It's probably not going to become easier. In fact, we probably have not seen the darkest days yet. This morning, Dr. Ken Alexander, Dr. Ken Rathen reported that the data from the uh, CDC this morning seems to indicate we may be approaching the high level mark of our post-holiday infection rate. And that is kind of good news as we look at what's happening across the entire country in terms of the spread. But it's tempered with the sad news that generally the fatality rate lags two to three weeks behind. So even if the infection rate is uh, approaching its pinnacle, which we think is is likely, we won't see the fatality rate peak for probably another another couple, three weeks. So resilience remains the order of the day. Uh, just because you have the vaccine doesn't mean that you uh, can't still spread it in some stages until the vaccine kicks in. So we all have to do what we can to support each other, to continue to mask, social distance, both at work and away from work, and make sure we do meticulous hand hygiene every single way which we can. How do we get through it? Same way we always do, working together one step at a time, being open and transparent with your fears, with your leadership. We all have these fears. Anyone that, that tells you that they, that they don't uh, is not being forthright. But by working together, we will overcome these quite natural fears. Randy Hartley is Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Your COVID-19 questions are answered once a week here on the podcast and always by email. Simply send them along to COVID19questions at Nemours.org. That's COVID19questions at Nemours.org. The Champions for Children podcast is made for Nemours Associates and features Nemours Associates. In fact, episode 52, called Wellness for All, is an in-depth profile of Dr. Mo Leffler, where she talks about her long-held belief that health care can be delivered in a better, more holistic manner, a philosophy inspired by her family's struggle as her mother battled a chronic disease. A link to that podcast episode is available in the show notes. The podcast is available on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app, as well as Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite smart speaker. It's free for listening or download. Please subscribe and share it with your fellow associates. Thanks to our production team, Dr. Mo Leffler, Dr. Jay Greenspan, Sandra Herman, Cheryl Munn, Deborah Griffin, and Peter Adebi. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. On behalf of Randy Hartley, Dr. Mo Leffler, and Dr. Jay Greenspan, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to this COVID-19 update episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, stay safe, 
stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve. <laughs>